Our gospel comes from Matthew chapter 2. This is the Epiphany story. In the time of King Herod, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem. They were asking, where is the child who has been born king of the Jews? For we observed his star at its rising and have come to pay him homage. When King Herod heard this, he was frightened and all Jerusalem with him. And calling together all the chief priests and the scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born. They told him, in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it has been written by the prophet. And you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who is to shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod secretly called for the wise men and learned from them the exact time when the star had appeared. Then he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, bring me word, so that I may also go and pay him homage. When they had heard the king, they set out, and there ahead of them went the star that they had seen at its rising, until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw that the star had stopped, they were overwhelmed with joy. On entering the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they knelt down and paid him homage. Then, opening their treasure chest, they offered him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they left for their own country by another road. This is the gospel of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Grace and peace to you from God, our Creator, Jesus, our Redeemer, and the Holy Spirit who sustains us. Amen. As I mentioned, today we are celebrating Epiphany. I say celebrating because today is not actually Epiphany. Epiphany happens on January 6th every year. That is the day of Epiphany. And as I mentioned, we often don't get to celebrate Epiphany all together in worship because usually it's a Friday like it was this year, or a Tuesday, or a Thursday. And so actually the first time I ever preached about Epiphany and the last time I ever preached on Epiphany was on January 6th, 2020, which was a Wednesday night and it was the night of the insurrection. And so maybe when most of us think about January 6th, we don't necessarily think right away about Epiphany, but we think about the insurrection. And I actually think this Epiphany story has a lot to teach us about that day because It talks about these kings, these wise men who didn't follow the unjust king. Instead, they went by another road. They turned their backs on injustice. They turned their backs on systems that oppress, and they went another way. But the Greek word for epiphany, epiphaneia, means, it literally means manifestation or appearance. And it's the story of how Jesus is made manifest to all of the earth, because the people who came from what then would have been known as the ends of the earth, Jesus was being made known to them in this story. It's the appearance of God made known to us in the little baby in a manger. It also literally means to show up, or to show forth, or to show out. And God shows up for us through the person of Jesus, through the incarnation, God being made flesh in that little baby. And maybe in our more contemporary context, we might use the phrase epiphany like we had an aha moment. We had an epiphany. We realized something that we didn't know before. 
we looked at something in a slightly different way. Our, our mind was changed about something. We had an epiphany. Well, this story of epiphany, it begins with a question. The wise men come to Jerusalem from far in the east. We don't know where, but they come from the east. And they say, where is this child who has been born king of the Jews? For we, absor- we observed his star at its rising and have come to pay him homage. So the wise men, they see a star, and they can read the star so well that they know that this is so important that they must leave everything behind and travel, as I said in the children's sermon, probably weeks or months, maybe even a year, to find this baby. That's how important they knew this was. And they don't quite get there, right? They're good astrologers, but they need a little help. They end up in Jerusalem, and they ask this question, where is the child who has been born king of the Jews? They know that this child is important. They know. And they're asking this question to Herod, who is currently kind of the king of the Jews because he's the king of the capital of Jerusalem, right? And he's known as Herod the Great. His son, Herod and, and Antipas, is the one who crucified Jesus, not this Herod. Um, but Herod the Great is the one who was in power when Jesus was born. And I got to say, if you, if you have to say that you're great, you're usually not that great, right? Um, and so he wasn't known for being the best king. Um, people feared him for sure. They also didn't really like him. Um, but he was very crafty. He knew how to get what he wanted. He knew how to pull the strings of those who were even more powerful than him in Rome. But he was also very suspicious and insecure. And that caused him to be really cruel. So he, he, he redid his secession plan multiple times, and he killed many of his own sons because of that, because he was suspicious of them trying to get the throne from him, right? Um, so he's not the most secure in uh, his leadership, let's just say it that way. And so when, when he hears from the wise men that this king of the Jews has been born, and then he hears this prophecy from Micah that the king would be born in Bethlehem, which, by the way, Herod wasn't born in Bethlehem, he gets pretty insecure. And the, the, Matthew tells us, when King Herod heard this, he was frightened, and all Jerusalem with him. And I don't know about you, but I often forget about this part, all Jerusalem with him, right? I remember that Herod was scared, and, and he didn't like that Jesus was born, but I forget that all Jerusalem was with him in this. And so we've already talked about how he's insecure and he's threatened by a baby, right? This powerful king on a throne, threatened by a baby. But then all Jerusalem with him was threatened. And if we have a cowardice leader, we're often to feel cowardice ourselves or feel afraid ourselves because we don't have any confidence in their leadership, right? And so it, that fear trickles down. And that's what happens here in this story. And this is also foreshadowing for the crucifixion where all the people in Jerusalem are shouting, crucify him, right? And so they're afraid of Jesus from day one. But the people in this story who aren't afraid are the magi, are the wise men, um, is how we translate that in English. But magos in Greek and magi, plural, is what the Greek actually is. And what that word means in Greek is astrologers or magicians or like priests from the Zoroastrian religion, which was a precursor for Islam in Persia. 
And they were also probably scholars. They probably had the Persian king's ear. Um, they were people of, of power in, in, the, in the east where they came from, probably Persia, but we don't know for sure. Um, and they, of all the people in this story, were the ones who weren't afraid. They, of all the people in the story, were the ones who were searching for the Messiah. And they're not even Jewish. And they're the ones looking. They're outsiders. They're foreigners. We're familiar with these characters, right? We see them on the Christmas cards with their crowns and their gifts. And like I said in the children's message too, we often think of there's three of them, right? But really, we have no idea how many. They could have been a whole caravan of people, kind of like a, a carnival of people, right? These magicians traveling together, these astrologers, these palm readers, right? Um, we don't really know. There could have been women in that caravan too, but we say the wise men. Um, and so, but the point is that they're the ones who understand. They're the ones who aren't afraid. Everyone else in the story is afraid at hearing the news of their supposed Messiah being born. And the people who aren't Jewish and certainly aren't Christian because it didn't exist then are not afraid. And so to these magi, Herod says, go and search diligently for the child. And when you have found him, bring me word so that I may go and pay him homage. Now, we know about Herod, right? We know he's suspicious and cruel, so he's not wanting to pay homage. And we hear later in this same chapter of Matthew that actually after this, after the wise men don't return, he sends a decree out to kill all of the newborns under the age of two in Bethlehem. He does not want to pay homage to this baby. He's severely threatened by this baby. And so he says, go and search diligently. And I think this is a good reminder for us that we can search diligently for things, but we don't always have the right intentions when we're searching, right? And so Herod here definitely does not have the right intentions. But the wise men go anyways. The magi go anyways. They're on a mission to follow this star that's brought them so far already. And when they see the star stop over the house, the story tells us that they are overwhelmed with joy. I love this. They're overwhelmed with joy. They're so excited to see this star stop, to see this baby Jesus now in a house instead of a manger, and to meet this child for the first time. Like I said, could be a year after his birth. They have been on this trail, and they're so excited. And this is contrasted with the fear, once again. They have joy. And the people in the story who are supposed to be waiting for their Messiah are filled with fear. And they are overwhelmed with joy. And I also love this because it parallels the Christmas story from Luke's gospel, where the angel appears to the shepherds and says, Do not be afraid, for I am bringing you good news of great joy for all people. All people from all the ends of the earth. Good news of great joy that this child has been born. And so once again, the outsiders in this story, the foreigners, they are the ones who get it. They are the ones who understand. They are the ones who feel joy at the birth of this Savior, of this Jesus. And this theme of the outsiders getting it is a theme throughout all of our Gospels, really. But it bookends Matthew's Gospel. Because we start Matthew's Gospel in chapter 2 with the story we just read of the wise men of the wise men and Epiphany, and God manifesting God's self to them. 
And then Matthew's gospel ends, chapter 28, with the Great Commission, where Jesus says, Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. He's not saying go and make disciples of Jerusalem. Go and make disciples of Cary, right? Go and make disciples of all nations. All are welcome in this divine love. And then, of course, in between those two bookends, we have the ministry of Jesus, where Jesus is constantly meeting the outsider, the person on the margins, the person who is sick, the person who is cast out, right? And the, po- the people who are supposed to be insiders, they're the ones questioning Jesus. They're the ones who don't quite get it. They're the ones who are asking all the wrong questions. And so this theme of the outsiders getting it is throughout Matthew's gospel and all the gospels, really. And that's what the wise men represent in this story. And that's why I love this epiphany story. And my favorite line of the epiphany story is the last one, where it says, the wise men, the magi, they went home by another road. They didn't just meet Jesus. They were changed by Jesus. They experienced joy, and they went another way. They didn't go back the way they came. They were never the same after this encounter. They went by another road. They certainly didn't give in to the powers that be of Herod, right? And I always wonder, was it the dream that made them change their mind, or did they see through Herod from the beginning? I don't know. But either way, God manifests God's self to them again in a dream. They met Jesus, and they went home another way. And they might have saved his life in doing that. We don't know. And I love this, too, because maybe you've heard me say the word for repent in Greek is the word metanoia. And if you, if you break down the word, it literally means to change direction or to go another way, like to do a U-turn. And that's what the Magi do in this story. They are changed forever by this child, and they go another way. They choose not to give in to the fragile ruler. They choose not to give in to the systems that create insiders and outsiders. Instead, they get it, and they go home by another road. It changes everything for them. And I think in the same way, epiphany changes everything for us. Epiphany is about God manifesting God's self to us in the unexpected places, in the unexpected people, in unexpected ways. It's about Jesus showing up no matter what road we take, no matter if we change direction or we get a little lost sometime. Jesus is still showing up and changing everything for us still today. Still this new year, we can change direction. But either no matter what we do, God is with us. Emmanuel is with us. God is manifesting God's self to us still in all the, the most unexpected places and unexpected people. Amen.